When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Here's Nick Chubb trying to run it through into the end zone. Touchdown! Browns beat the Bucks. Nick Chubb, game-winning touchdown run in OT. And this game is over. The Cleveland Browns defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 23-17. to So the Browns are heading into this weekend against the one-win Texans on a high note. However, it's going to be a little bit of a different situation considering they have a new starting quarterback. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Shea Cornette, Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys here. You can call us on the Dr. Pepper call online, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. By the way, it is V-Week at ESPN when we partner with the V-Foundation to highlight the urgent need for cancer research. This is a game-changing research that helps save lives, as many of you know. You can join the fight against cancer by visiting v.org slash donate. 100% of donations go directly to cancer research. Okay, uh, I mentioned the change at quarterback, Courtney, and obviously I think it's pretty well known now. We will not see Jacoby Brissett under center for the Browns going forward. It will now be the Deshaun Watson show. And while this feels like we knew it was coming, we knew it is inevitable, it is now here as he's going to go up against his former team in the Houston Texans. And there's a lot of things to point at, but the first thing that you and I talked about earlier that I think is worth revisiting is the fact that Wednesdays are typically the day that starting quarterbacks address the media. And you can ask them any question you want, but of course the Browns today had to continue down this circus that they've had going on there, it feels like, for months. And they chose not to have Deshaun Watson address the media today. And to me, I, I just I don't understand this decision at all. I have no idea why, because maybe you don't want to have these outside questions that inevitably are going to be asked to him, regardless of whether he speaks today, tomorrow, after the game. It doesn't matter. But to me, it's more about the decision-making again from the Browns. Why do we keep doing this? Can't you just be easy? Can't you just provide the starting quarterback to the media so that he can answer questions no matter what they are ahead of Sunday's game? Is it really that hard, Courtney? It shouldn't be. In theory, this should be a very cut-and-dry decision to have him go out, talk to the local beat crew that's there today, local TV crew, and, of course, there will be a lot of national reporters on site in Berea, Ohio, because this is the first time that we've seen Deshaun Watson on a practice field as the active starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns since his suspension began. And he's been gone for the last 11 games. We have not heard from him since August 18th before the preseason game, the one time that we saw him in a Browns uniform. And they're going to have to address it at some point. So I don't understand why they're delaying the inevitable here, Shay. Like that's the problem with the Cleveland Browns and how they've handled this entire situation. You can get out ahead of it, or you can be playing catch up the entire time. And you have no one to blame, but yourself for putting yourself behind the eight ball, so to speak, because Deshaun Watson is going to have to answer for what happened during his suspension, all the team and NFL mandated therapy that he had to go to. And he doesn't have to get into specific details, but those questions are coming. 
you better believe it. When and if they don't have him address it now, those questions are coming after the game when they play the Houston Texans on Sunday. And there's already going to be a lot around that game that he's going to have to answer for and be asked about, namely the 10 victims uh, that have accused him of sexual assault and misconduct who are apparently going to be on site at NRG Stadium. You don't think he's getting those questions? Like, are, Is he just not prepared for it? Because eventually he's going to have to ask be answer, ask about these and be you know a- answering questions about what has been you know what has transpired the last four months that we haven't seen him and on top of that you brought this up earlier Courtney you know Kevin Stefanski was asked today essentially like why Watson wasn't available to the media and his response was quote like that's not my department okay um as two women who cover the NFL have covered the NFL you obviously are there with the Bears every single day and obviously we have to deal you have to deal directly with PR staffers and head coaches and whatnot let me tell you something if a head coach or a GM for that matter ever had a decision to be made and wanted it to happen all they have to do is say the word doesn't matter what department doesn't matter who we're dealing with it it makes no difference if it's Deshaun Watson or Jacoby Brissett if you wanted to make him available to the to the media it was your department. If you didn't, it's not. It's really that simple, and clearly he did not. Um, but it sounds like, nonetheless, Deshaun Watson obviously is going to be the starting quarterback this weekend for the Browns, and he's been practicing with the ones, not just this week, last week, and I think a little bit even the week before. And so Kevin Stefanski, head coach of the Browns, was asked, what is the offense like with Watson now under center with those ones? Deshaun's been here for five weeks, been around his teammates, been out of practice, been in walkthroughs. So, uh I've said it to you guys before, you know, you know this, but this is about us versus Texans is really the focus. Okay. I don't, what does that mean? (laughs) Can you tell me what that, does it mean the offense looks good? I mean, we obviously know you're focused on the Texans, but does it mean that he's, you know, jumped right in, that he has rust? I don't know what that means from a football perspective. Can you clarify, Courtney? No, because he's trying to point out that the noise and the quote-unquote distraction, I know that they want to use that word, they don't want any of that this week, so they're trying to insulate this offense, insulate Deshaun Watson, so they can put their blinders on and just focus on the X's and O's of football instead of all the other things that they're going to have to answer for. And Kevin Stefanski has done a pretty good job up to this point in addressing everything that's been out there and trying to you know, stay in his lane. Because we've seen Ron Rivera do it with the Washington Commanders Mm -hmm. when there's Mm -hmm. all of that nonsense going on off the field for that franchise. And we haven't looked at that and said that that's the wrong thing to do, that, you know, that he's turning a blind eye to anything. I don't think that you can say that about Kevin Stefanski. There's just not that much of an answer within his answer to that question about what Deshaun looks like. And it could also be that he's – I mean, I know he's been back for five weeks, but this is truly the first time that they've gotten to integrate him into practice the way that they did today. And they probably don't have a lot of answers yet. Let's not forget, this is someone who hasn't played in a football game in over two years. He's going to look rusty. Yeah, no doubt. Well, maybe Nick Chubb can tell us what Deshaun Watson has looked like in practice. Here's the Browns running back. He's special. He's a playmaker, man. He puts the ball exactly where he needs it to go. And, you know, guys guys like that. Guys are excited. And, you know, we all are. We're ready. 
Okay, so accurate. So Nick Chubb is saying he's accurate. He's putting the ball where it needs to go. Um, look, we've had multiple conversations today with people like Keyshawn Johnson and Chris Canty, and I know across every show on ESPN Radio and on television, we've obviously talked about the return of Deshaun Watson for a lot of different reasons. But the reality of the situation is what you just said, Courtney. He hasn't played a football game in what will be 700 days when he takes the field on Sunday against his former team in the Houston Texans. doesn't matter that they have one win and one tie, and the rest of their games have been bad, and they've made changes at the quarterback position and all of the rest of it. The fact of the matter is there's going to be some rust. Now, how quickly can he dust it off? We'll see. Does that mean the Browns are going to go on a playoff push now? Maybe there's some room there, wiggle room in the AFC North, especially with the way the Ravens have been playing the last couple of weeks. Um, nonetheless, you're right. There's going to be off the field things to talk about, on the field things to talk about. This is going to take center stage as it has been over the last couple of months with Deshaun Watson returning under center for the Cleveland Browns this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, 5-1, and one, that is what they have to go, Shay, the rest of the way in order to get themselves into the postseason. It's an outside shot. It's not an impossible shot. Mm-hmm. Although, I do kind of agree with what Keyshawn Johnson told us here on Candy and Carlin earlier in the show, that they're already looking towards 2023, integrating integrating him into it, Deshaun Watson, that is, into this offense, figuring out what he looks like when he actually gets a couple games played uh, considering he hasn't played in a very long time, because this season when they when that suspension came down, the Browns knew that their playoff chances in this roster that they had constructed was pretty much all for naught. Until they are mathematically eliminated from the postseason, they're going to keep trying for it. But then again, this is it's not a tough it's not a humongously tough stretch for them down the way. But it's also not realistic that they end up in the postseason, and then we're already looking towards next year. Yep, you're right. All right, one Super Bowl favorite who can't win it all as presently constructed. We'll tell you who that is and what they need to do with the time remaining. That's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Let's get up in the morning. Good morning. It is time to get up. But in the afternoon, we get down. Get down on it. It's time for Get Up, Get Down. Get down on it. 
So we listen to these takes in the morning, and then we have all day to, like, process, let it marinate, and I agree, disagree, it made me mad, it didn't, you know, all of the things. This is Scanty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM, Channel 80, Shade Cornette, Courtney Cronin here with you, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. So this morning, Chris Canty, who obviously hosts this show, Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, had this to say about the Bills and their problems. And no, it's not on the offensive side of the ball. It's actually with the injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Here's Canty. In order to win and get to the Super Bowl in the AFC, you got to go through Pat Mahomes. And the Buffalo Bills have played the Chiefs twice in the last two playoffs. They've only sacked Pat Mahomes three times in 92 dropbacks, and they haven't forced a takeaway from Pat Mahomes. So that's a problem. Von Miller was supposed to help that, but if he's not available, the Bills got no shot. Okay, so he's essentially saying, look, if you don't have a healthy Von Miller, which, I mean, he's he's stating, not the obvious, obviously, because Canty obviously knows what he's talking about, but he's stating something that the Bills knew, too. Courtney, that's why they went out and got Von Miller in the first place. But to me, this is much more about the Bills running through their division and being better within their division than it is just about the Kansas City Chiefs and this Buffalo Bills kind of rivalry that's been created lately. Like, they've now lost games to the Jets, to the Dolphins, and then obviously over time to the Minnesota Vikings. And they need to be better, and it starts tomorrow night against the Patriots, obviously, with teams within their division, to me, as opposed to just looking ahead to every time they play the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, and I mean, I don't know how this was possible because when the news came out on the Friday after Thanksgiving, it was either going to be a couple of games for Von Miller or the entire season. Now we find out it's potentially one week, and Von himself said that he's targeting a Week 14 return. Great news for this Buffalo defense. They couldn't have asked for any sort of better outcome from the injury he sustained in Detroit last Thursday. But let's slow our roll here because this pass rush without Von Miller is not very good. And I think that Ed Oliver had a great game last week in place of Von Miller. But they, when they are down, and it's not just him, they've had other injuries across the board, they have struggled. And they've struggled on the back end of their defense too with injuries. Thank goodness things are trending in the right direction for this Bills team with Tredavious White coming back last week. But you can't afford to, you know, the margin of error, especially in the AFC East with where the Dolphins are and where the Bills are. And then the overall AFC picture, you can't afford to be losing one of your top defensive players considering all that Von Miller has done in the first 10 games this season for Buffalo. Correct. Okay, now you mentioned Von Miller saying himself when he wants to be back. As a reminder, Von Miller hurt his knee, his lateral meniscus, um, in the game on Thanksgiving Day against the Detroit Lions. Now, it was an ugly game, but it was a win for the Buffalo Bills in that game. And so here is Von Miller, Bills linebacker, on the Von cast talking about when he hopes to return for the Buffalo Bills. I did get hurt. Um, You know, the news is... Not the best of news, but it's definitely not the worst of news. It's kind of like in the middle. Um, But, you know, I do have some uh, lateral meniscus damage, and it's going to have to be addressed. But I I do feel like I can, you know, play through that. So I'm just going to wait a little bit, let the swelling go down for about, you know, seven to ten days. And, you know, hopefully right before the Jets game, I will be back. Okay, so as a reminder, Bills play the Patriots tomorrow night, and then they'll have what we like to call in the NFL kind of like a mini-buy, right? Because they'll have the whole weekend off until the following game when they play the Jets. And we're over here, I'm over here talking about how the Bills need to be better against their division while getting a win against the Patriots on Thursday without Von Miller, and then with Von Miller against the Jets, you know, 10 days later, obviously would bode well for their success. Yeah, I agree, though, Courtney, with you. It was kind of a weird injury. Um 
we didn't know if he was going on IR. We didn't know how long he was going to be out. But him pointing out that it could only be one week missed time is extremely good news. Now, it also helps that the Bills obviously played on Thursday. They'll play on Thursday again, and then they have a little bit of extra time coming up. But they have three games within their division. Then they have to go to Chicago, and then they have to play in Cincinnati. Like, this is not an easy road for the Buffalo Bills down the stretch, not even a little bit. And then the weather's only going to get worse. So Von Miller... I hope he's not just rushing back because of the situation that he, you know, the Bills haven't played great within their division and he takes the proper time that he needs to get better. But back to what Chris Canty said this morning, do you believe that? Do you believe if they don't have a healthy Von Miller that the Bills are out of playoff Super Bowl contention? Their road gets harder because, remember, like they, they're also missing Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa from that defensive front. So if they can get them back from injury, that gives you depth that you didn't have that helps replace some of the production that you might be missing from Avon Miller. But all of that said, outside of the quarterback position, I don't know if there's like one player, maybe a couple wide receivers here and there. If you don't have one of those guys, everything falls apart for your Super Bowl run. And I'm more concerned. Like to me, it's not the Von Miller part of the equation here as to why they will or will not contend for a Super Bowl. I'm concerned with Josh Allen. I really am. I'm concerned with the red zone turnover, Shay. I'm concerned that this elbow injury is actually worse and it's lingering and it's yeah. not going to get any better. I'm concerned with some of the decision-making things. Like He's a great quarterback, but with the version we saw of him in that Jets game, in the overtime period and really before that with the, red, with the turnover at their goal line um, against Minnesota, and even in that Lions game, when it got close, it took a field goal. It took Josh Allen putting them in a field goal range for them to be able to escape Detroit, of all teams, with a win. That, to me, the more serious thing that could be preventing the Buffalo Bills from actually getting to the Super Bowl is what's going on with their captain on offense, because you want to go, go ahead and give that crown to Von Miller, the other guy on offense and Josh Allen, I need to see him play at a certain level that I'm not so sure is sustainable if he's playing the way that he is right now. Yeah, I will say this, though, about the Bills. Like, that situation with them having to move their game to Detroit the week prior to Thanksgiving, obviously, and then having to go back there and the travel problems. And there was a little bit of, obviously, adversity that was around that. So I didn't think the Bills were going to come out and smash the Lions, although I think they have much more talent, especially even without Von Miller on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I thought this would be a closely contested game on Thanksgiving because of all of that. Like, for them to win two games – in Detroit, on the road, within seven days, with travel plans up in the air and a holiday and all of this, I actually thought it was a pretty incredible feat. Um, Look, this is a Buffalo Bills team that's virtually the same with the addition of Von Miller from a year ago, where they were, what was it, eight seconds, 15 seconds away from beating the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you have a healthy Von Miller in the postseason, great. But if you need to hold him back and make sure he's fully healthy until then, why wouldn't you do that? I think I always err on the side of caution with this kind of stuff. Like, I did not think the Bills should have let Josh Allen play those games when he was he was having soreness in his elbow. I don't think the Bears should play Justin Fields if it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know why teams feel like, or even players feel like, they need to rush back if they're not necessarily rushing back for the postseason. To me, that doesn't make any sense, and I wouldn't rush Von Miller if you could use him in the postseason when it matters most to, to slay the dragon that has been the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Of course. And there's six games remaining for this Buffalo team in the regular season. There is time if you want to slow play this thing. Maybe he's a little overzealous here saying it's only going to take seven to ten days for a lateral meniscus tear to maybe calm down. It sounds like it's a pain management thing. I'd be worried about that thing becoming like a full-on tear, potentially other ligament damage. Granted, I don't have the medical credentials to go into all of that, but... I would err on the side of caution. I'm with you. A healthy Von Miller in January into February is much better than trying to have him push through it right now. You just hope that some of those other guys that I was talking about in the defensive front can come back and sustain when he is not there. Can I ask you a question? There is a bet you can make from Caesars. The Bills, Eagles, or Chiefs to win the Super Bowl versus the field. Bills, Eagles, or Chiefs or the field to win the Super Bowl. Would you take one of those three teams or the field? I would take the field because I think it very well could be Dallas. Yes, they're in the field. And I think it very well could be the Niners. So maybe we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Plus, we've got chaos in college football. We'll get to that after this from FanDuel. Football season is heating up, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet does not win. Just sign up with promo PLAY. The app is safe, secure, super easy to use. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Sign up today. Promo code is PLAY for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sports book partner of the NFL. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. College football playoff rankings came out last night. Obviously, we'll get another rendition of them on Sunday after conference championships. Georgia's at one, Michigan two, TCU three, USC at four, and then Ohio State and Alabama five and six, respectively, on the outside looking in. This is Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Shay Cornett. Courtney Cronin here with us as well, as is Heather Dinich, ESPN senior college football writer who – Helps everyone understand this in the simplest yet smartest of terms all the time, Heather. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to kind of go backwards here. Let's start with the fact that Alabama's at number six. Mm -hmm. What is the scenario, because help me understand this, what is the scenario where Alabama could find their way into the top four? Well, I'll rephrase it as find their way into the conversation because – 
Yeah, because if, if TCU loses, and I mean loses bad, like if they get beat soundly, and USC loses, USC is the team that can least afford to lose. If they lose, they're done. TCU loses, they still have a shot. If both of those teams lose, that's where Alabama comes back into the conversation at least. But because they were sixth last night behind Ohio State, I mean, that's the pecking order right now. So if USC loses, Ohio State jumps in. And then if TCU loses as well, and you're considering Alabama if you're the selection committee, how that game unfolds with K-State and the Big 12 championship will play a role in it. But they will also look at, well, TCU beat K-State during the regular season. They have a win against what would be a top-10 team, K-State. They went on the road. They beat Texas, also a ranked team. Alabama also went on the road, beat Texas by one point against the backup quarterback. All of those things come into the conversation. But at the same time, there's a point where they look at each other and say, well, who's better, Alabama or TCU? Who do you think would win? That's where it gets a little tricky. Okay, so I just I have a hard time with this, and I know what the committee wants to do, and philosophically, you know what they've done in the past based on championship weekends sometimes means to reward the people who aren't playing this coming mm-hmm. weekend in games. Is there any sort of belief that you get from this committee that this weekend we could actually see the top four stay the top four because Alabama and Ohio State didn't do enough to be playing in conference championship weekend, whereas TCU handled business. USC handled its business, and the team that it faces is the one that it lost by one point to. How could the committee possibly want to keep USC out if they end up losing to a Utah team that they've already played, already lost to by one, when they already said that an 11-1 USC USC team is good enough to be in that conversation if these four teams win I think they will all be in and I disagree with our metrics that say there's an argument for Ohio State over USC and the reason is the human element of this and it's also the selection committee protocol which puts an emphasis on winning a conference championship if they're comparing teams that are similar and everybody has to remember that this Saturday, and in the Pac-12's case, Friday night, it's the one week out of the whole year in the college football season that the committee members are together. They're in the same room watching these games together. There's something to be said for that energy and the impact of those results and the immediacy of it on Friday night and on Saturday as these games unfold. And Ohio State and Alabama aren't anywhere on the television. They're, not, they're literally not in the picture. And so if those four teams win, that's why I believe those four teams will hold their spots. Talking to Heather Dinich right now here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, Shea Cornette, Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys today. Okay, so if those four teams win and those four teams still stay in the CFP uh, come Sunday when it is announced, do you think the order changes at all based on how they win their conference championships games? That's quite possible. It is. And, you know, if USC dominates Utah and K-State again has to come, or excuse me, TCU has to again come from behind against K-State, they could very well flip. Um, Michigan, I would be shocked if they struggled with Purdue. I think they should beat them soundly. The same thing with Georgia. I would be surprised if that changed because I thought if Michigan-Georgia was going to change, it was going to happen on Tuesday night because of Michigan going and beating Ohio State the way that it did in the second half. It didn't happen. So 
I just it seems unlikely, but anything can happen. But to me, the bigger question is the three and four spots because remember during the regular season, TCU was down 18 points to K-State, and that was another game that they had to come from behind and win. So how those games unfold could certainly change the perspective of the way those teams are ordered. All right, Heather, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. As always, we'll be keeping an eye on these games this weekend and listening to everything you have to say because it's always right. <laughs> we appreciate it, Heather. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Too, too kind, too much credit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it is true, Courtney, though. I feel like every time Heather speaks about this, I listen because I'm like, oh, she's right. I mean, oh, yeah, she's she a Hoosier. She's always right, Shay. See, that's what I was hoping you would say. I was just waiting. I was lo- giving you the lob. You just you the, gave me the alley the alley-oop. That. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, benefits at one of the country's top workplaces? Just join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online. All right. What is the biggest thing we learned from the CFP rankings last night? Give us a minute to process everything Heather said. We'll talk about it next on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Caleb Williams takes the snap, back to pass, pressure coming, avoids it again, wide open side if he runs in, touchdown, Caleb Williams. Keyshawn, we should have listened to you a long, long time ago. Fight on, Paul, baby! You know there's going to be chaos this weekend. There's no way it just goes chalk, right? Like with conference championships in college football, there's no way. That's not the way this works. Not ever. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Shea Cornette, Courtney Cronin, filling in for the guys here. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can call us on the Dr. Pepper call on line 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So we had a chance to just catch up with Heather Dinich, and, and she always does such a good job explaining all the different scenarios and how things worked, could work out, have worked out, and reminding us all of different situations. And I guess let's start with the SEC side of things here, Court, because I asked the question in the break, like, what if Georgia loses to LSU this weekend, which is not out of the realm of possibilities. LSU is a very good team. They've beaten ranked opponents so far this year, namely one being Alabama, obviously, which is what got them out of the conversation, but they could creep back into the conversation. We'll talk about that in a second. If Georgia loses this weekend, where do you think they fall to? Two. I think that they and Michigan would end up swapping spots, and that's not to say that I expect Michigan to lose to Purdue and potentially put themselves in a pickle there. They should be able to handle them just fine in the Big Ten championship game. But this is is a three-loss LSU team that if Georgia gets handled their first loss, I think that the committee has to take that into consideration. And effectively, this kind of goes to what I want this weekend to be, for seeding and seeding only. But <laughs> I look at Georgia. It all comes back to Court's point. It see? does. It does. And this is still an <laughs> incredible defense. They've been 
just dominating opponents throughout this season. Georgia is head and shoulders above the rest of the college football, like just the landscape of it. But Michigan has proven something these last couple of weeks, not only in their 12-0 and record, but the way that they beat Ohio State, who was previously in the college football playoff rankings. So I think that you would have to say, okay, maybe this Michigan team does deserve to be in over Georgia, at least at the number one spot. Mm-hmm. There's no way, though, just to make this clear to anybody listening, there's no way that Georgia falls out of the top four. They are in. All they have to do is worry about just beating LSU to remain in that number one spot. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they stay in, too. And I think, um, you know, Heather just pointed out, like, she thought that if Michigan was going to move to that number one spot or jump around, it would have happened after this weekend, after beating Ohio State in the fashion they did. And obviously that didn't happen. So there's the number one scenario. Number two scenario, obviously, is how does Alabama creep their way back in? And obviously that would have to come with a loss from either USC or TCU. And I guess the question I have then for you, Court, is do you think Alabama is a better football team than either of those two football teams, than TCU or USC? It's the SEC bias that gets us off, Shay. And we have to consider that they've lost two games this year by a total of four points on the road at Tennessee, on the road at LSU. Strength of schedule, no one had it harder than Alabama. But what TCU did to get to this point, they had this, everything was stacked. It's like walking backwards in heels. They had to do things at a twice as difficult rate than Alabama did because of the Big 12, because they are not a brand name like an Alabama, like a Georgia, like a Michigan. And they had to be perfect to get to this spot. You know what they did to get to their record? They beat the best defense in the Big 12 last week in Iowa State. And they beat them, like, considerably. They put up a 60-burger on them. So I, I can't say that TCU would find their way out of the CFP top four and into a New Year's Six Bowl if they end up losing to K-State, a team that they already beat this year. But USC is the only one, and I know that this goes against what I want to happen, where I want everything to stay the same. USC is the only team that you can look at and say, look how many teams that Alabama played that were ranked at the time, where they were, what the wins looked like, versus a USC team that had three ranked opponents this season, one of them of which they lost to in Utah. That's a team that they're facing this week in the Pac-12 championship. I think that you have to consider, though, who actually got here instead of these hypotheticals of who's better, who's not. Who's actually playing this weekend? USC and TCU are, three and four respectively. I don't think that you can punish the USC and TCU for having to play a 13th game when Alabama didn't do enough to make sure it was playing this weekend in the first mm-hmm. place. Yeah, I agree with you on all those fronts. And obviously, Heather pointed this out to us moments ago, and I thought it was a really good point. Like, we all have to keep in mind, this is a weekend where the entire committee is watching every one of these games together. Friday night with the Pac-12, all day Saturday, and obviously we get the rankings on Sunday. And so if you are not, if you are a team not playing this weekend, that doesn't bode well for you because you're not at the top of the mind of all these committee members who are finally in the same room together. Now, going back to the conversation we just had, I'm going to shift it to Ohio State because Ohio State's sitting at five and Alabama's sitting at six. And so a team loses, those two are going to be in the conversation at least to fill those spots, right? Like I think outside of Georgia, we can have that argument. And I'll say this. I did a little digging in terms of strength of record. Okay. So Ohio State is fourth. TCU is first. Okay. And I think we have this SEC bias and then my brain goes to the Big Ten. And then it's like the Big 12 and the Pac-12 kind of fill in the, the holes, right? In the ACC. So the TCU, uh, TCU has played a very tough schedule. And on top of that, if you look at the big wins that they've had, Ohio State beat at the time number five Notre Dame by 11 points. Mm-hmm. They beat Penn State on the road. At that point, that was number 13 in the nation. 
by 13 points. TCU, now it hasn't been pretty, but they've found ways to do it, Court. And TCU beat then number 18 Oklahoma by 31. They beat number 19 at the time, Kansas, on the road by 7. 17 Kansas State by 10. I mean, these are all double-digit wins. Number 18 Texas on the road by a touchdown. Like, they have a more impressive schedule. So I think if TCU takes an L this weekend, especially a close one to Kansas State, they have to stay in that top four. Oh, 100%. And what you, I'm glad that you mentioned the Texas game back in uh, early November because they showed that they're not just going to win games with high-flying, high-octane high offense. And when that doesn't work, that doesn't necessarily mean that they lose. That Texas game was ugly. I was hosting radio that night, and I remember I had to watch every single minute of that thinking, <laughs> can someone just break this game open? Because as much as I love watching a Saturday night Big 12 defensive battle, it was really, really ugly. And it felt like there was a little bit of a hangover early on last week or two weeks ago when they had to play Baylor. And, of course, they come back and win on that insane field goal at the end. But they've shown that they can gut out wins, and they've shown that they can also dominate their opponents from start to finish, which is exactly what we saw in the penultimate game last week against Iowa State. And now we get to watch them wrap up their conference, their you know their entire regular season conference slate, and then with the conference championship with Kansas State. Kansas State's a top 10 team. If they lose to them, that should be neither here nor there. They already beat them earlier this season when they were ranked 17th, and I think that they'll do it again. But if they don't, they still, to me, if we're looking at 1-2-3 being a lock right now, I don't think that changes whatsoever. I don't think you have any wiggle room to change that. Okay, of all the four teams that are in the top four right now, obviously they're all playing this weekend. Which do you think is the most vulnerable to take an L? Georgia's playing LSU. USC is playing Utah, who they've already lost to once. TCU playing Kansas State. And then Michigan playing Purdue. I think it's got to be the easy, the obvious answer here in USC. Just because Utah is a good football team. They are a ranked football team. They'll finish in the top 25, and they've already lost to them once. And that was a high-flying, entertaining game, which is great because conference championship weekend, you want to see something. There has to be an ante on one of these. And that one at least gives it some intrigue. They're the most vulnerable, though, not just because of what happens in their game, but because of who's lurking in the shadows, that being Ohio State and Alabama. Okay, see, I'm going to go a different direction. I think that uh, USC is far better than they were back in mid-October when they played Utah and they took an L by one point. And so I am actually going to go a different direction here. I think it's TCU that's the most vulnerable. I think they also still stay in the top four. But the fact that they're playing a team they had to come from behind and, and win against, and it's a top 15 team, I think to me, TCU is the most vulnerable this weekend. It's going to be a fun one. Can't wait for conference championships in college football this weekend.